right, welcome back to Limited Upside Podcast. And and real quick, I just wanted to say thank you uh, to Shelly Magnus, who made our new logo for us. Uh, we were asking around. I have great friends. Andy, who's Shelly's lesser half, was really great in connecting us. And uh, I really appreciate the new logo. I think it's a big hit. I think Mike thinks so, too. So thanks, Shelly. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Ben Epstein. I'm here as always with Mike Prada. Mike, how's it going, buddy? I'm, you know, hanging in there. I'm still got a little bit of a high from last night's Wizards-Cavs game. We're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, yeah. That was some game, and we'll talk plenty about that game because we both yeah. have plenty of thoughts. Yeah, many, many thoughts. And, uh, and we got a lot of good questions today pertaining to that uh, as well because we kind of wanted to do a grab bag. We asked our our listeners to send us some good questions. And I want to say thank you to everybody because we got a lot and they're all really smart. And, and that, that makes me think very well of of our podcast and the people who listen. Mike, I think we have a really intelligent basketball fan base here. I think so too. I think uh, the median SAT score of our podcast would be very, <laughs> very, very good. Unlike uh, perhaps a secretary of education. <laughs> hey, easy, easy. easy. <laughs> we, can only, we can only speculate. But before we get to our rampant speculation, which is the Limited Upside podcast, please, guys, um, go rate and review and subscribe. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitchers, uh, SoundCloud, on platform on SBNation.com backslash MBA. Um, you can always find uh, this podcast. I swear if you Google it, the Limited Upside will come up. We have a good SEO going. Uh, so please, we love the feedback. We love the questions. Um, it really does help, especially when we want to crowdsource a whole episode like this. And you guys nail it. That's fantastic. So you guys are doing uh, our jobs for us. You're helping us prepare for stuff we don't want to prepare for. And thank you all to the very nice reviews that we've been getting. Uh, It's pretty fantastic. Keep them coming uh, or give us some feedback. Where can they send those questions? You can always tweet me at Mike Prada SBN or you can email me Mike Prada at SBNation.com. And the uh, this podcast is at limited underscore upside, and I am at EpiBen. So we got a lot of uh, a lot of great questions, and let's get right to it. Let's start with uh, Alan Jenkins said us one that's perfect because we wanted to tee ourselves off to talk about the Wizards Cavs game last night, which was an incredible game. And oh, man. Uh, he said, oh, incredible. he said, he said, we'll start here because I think this is a, a pretty incredible play. Uh, he said to foul or not to foul prior to LeBron's miracle three last night. He says, I say don't foul, Mike. Before we even get to the foul or don't foul, oh, and you will answer this, Alan, we'll get to that. Talk to me about talk to me about the game last night. You you told me it was the game of the year. Yeah, I mean, when you just consider the shot making, when you consider the incredible plays at the end, when you consider that on the previous possession, LeBron missed a layup, right? <laughs> he and, walked and, and traveled. Yes, that was. Imbo- <laughs> can you imagine if he got away with a tra- another travel at the Verizon Center on a game winning shot? Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine? You know, then I mean, it I was know- the perfect self correction in in real time. Yeah, well, for a minute at least, <laughs> for a little bit, and then and then the self correction just kind of tilted into full out incorrection. But that's all right. Uh, yeah, so no, it was just an incredible game of shot making. I think um, there was a clear playoff atmosphere. I know that sounds cliche, but I watched a lot of the Cavs recently. They've been sleepwalking through games. I don't think they slept walk through this one. I know LeBron certainly didn't. There was an extra edge when you consider I think the Wizards looked at this as like here's our national TV chance and here's our actual sellout. Like this is like a big brand building opportunity for to build the brand of this Wizards team as something different than the brand of what the Wizards are. It's an important rebranding opportunity. I'm saying the word brand a lot, but yeah, to no, appeal to your 
sales sensibilities. We're looking for sponsors, uh, so if anybody from a particular... Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, keep going. Yeah, so it was just an incredible game, and I said afterwards it's hard to be mad about about this from the Wizards' perspective. They played their hearts out. I, that was probably a little bit euphoric. There's certainly some things that they could have done sure. better. Again, it's not like the Cavs are tearing the lids off the door right now, but let's talk about that final play. So mm-hmm. what do you think? Foul, uh, no foul? I, so... I want to say two things. I thought that it was a incredibly well done play to be able to get the ball as quickly as they did out of the basket, know exactly who they wanted to grab it, who has the, you know, for all uh, um, the great outlet passers in the league, he's probably still one of the top. Uh, it makes a top. chess pass, you know, I mean, Kevin Love makes a chess pass. It's not a, an overhand thing. It's a very deliberate to a place on the court. Uh, I thought that they then have the best wide receiver maybe in the entire world other than Julio Jones, who happens to be playing in the NBA and LeBron James able to box out what was ultimately a mismatch in the situation. It was, was it Beal on him? Yeah, it was Bradley Beal, which I think is a whole nother sort of interesting discussion point. Like what totally, what was going on with like where the wizards were positioning their players? Like why wasn't, why wasn't there a taller player? I mean, John Wall was at the free throw line, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They weren't exactly going for the offensive rebound. Like they could, (laughs) they could have put like a big guy back there, I think. Sure. Or two guys on LeBron or two guys. Like they could have had nobody on the line. There really was no reason to, but I don't like the foul. Um, I don't like the foul, especially when the ball is in the air going to LeBron because like, I don't know, it's easier said than done the whole like wrap him up so he can't shoot the ball. Um, good luck. He's a tour de force out there. And then the second part is the, the motion that he made, the catch into step into turn into you know face off <clears throat> fadeaway. I don't know. There's many people ever athletically who could do that. I know I have some friends who do listen to this, listen to this podcast who uh, who think that it was luck. And I'm like, well, look, that there is a luck component to a bank shot from there for sure. But the skill component they put him in the position to have that luck happen. I'm sorry, was is is at a level that basically nobody else uh, has ever had. I and mean, that's an insane athletic play. But I, I don't. I don't foul him. I let. I let that happen. I let LeBron take that crazy shot because there is still that. Uh, you know that luck component. Do you think he called it? No way. I didn't see. I didn't see any signal about calling it. No way. He did fall like seven rows into the stands. Yeah, so he certainly made, made it dramatic. Um, and I'm not bitter at all. So so, what were your thoughts? So that was the last part of regulation, and overtime was another wild you know offensive display in its own right um all around both teams played great but Kyrie was again uh i, I don't know the Kyrie Beal matchup in overtime was uh, very reminiscent of watching like an AAU game where the two best mm-hmm. kids are just trying to beat each other yeah and meanwhile the best player in the game was Kevin Love yeah by far i'm, I'm glad we haven't we really haven't mentioned that yet but yeah Love had a monster game he had a, a Minnesota Timberwolves Kevin Love game um and he was also uh, you know, a ma- major part of that LeBron shot. So Love had a great game, and LeBron did foul out right in the beginning of. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was surprised that the Cavs were able to pull it out after that. I think I don't know exactly what happened. You know, the I don't think the Wizards necessarily switched off, but no. you know, you the Cavs still plenty of scores, and I, I think Love was just a really tough matchup. But right after he fouled out, uh, Markeith Morris fouled out. I think that hurt because then the Wizards had to go small, and Love had kind of hurt. Ubre and Otto in the post in the fourth quarter. And then yep. now you had the same switching problem and offensive rebounding problem. I think in the first half, that lineup was dynamite. Uh, but in the second half, Love kind of figured out a way to go about it. I think that played a role. Um, yeah. But so, yeah. So that brings me to this question for you, Mike. And I think it's, you're still going to talk about this game. So we're going to get a little touch more in. But 
Robert Flom asked us, does Washington uh, have the best shot at toppling LeBron in the Eastern Conference? So extrapolate a little bit. Tell me what this game actually means long term. Well, I think the team that has the best shot at beating LeBron is a team that kind of blinks first at the trade deadline, right? I mean, you're looking at like Toronto is a team that I think really needs to make a trade and they've struggled recently. And, you know, if they get Serge Ibaka or another power forward, I think they would be the the biggest threat. You know, uh, if Boston finally does something with what the pieces they have, I mean, they're playing really well right now. If they can find a way to fix their defensive rebounding, I think they're the big threat. But right now, I think the Wizards are playing the best of all those teams. You know, they have, I would say, perhaps the least ability to improve because they don't have as many assets. I think if they could get like one more good bench guy, that would really help them. But they're at playing at a really high level now. I don't know. They'd have to maintain this level. And, you know, yeah. I think with Toronto and Boston, they can still have the ability to add in a significant piece. But if all these teams stand pat, I do think the Wizards are the best of the bunch in terms of a yeah. playoff matchup. Because Yeah, they're, they're interesting. You look at that starting lineup, right? And this is the thing that is going to be a problem for Toronto and Boston is that, you know, with Toronto, their offense is so simplistic that I think it's a lot easier to stop in a playoff setting uh, where their depth matters less. And you can attack DeRozan and Terrence Ross and those guys on defense, you know, and they don't, they still don't really have a power forward answer, you know. Mm -hmm. So we've seen last year that even though when they were a better team last year, they really struggled with, I think, teams that are worse than what these wizards are now and what these Celtics are now. I mean, do you yeah, think I, that, do you think that the Pacers last year's Pacers and last year's Heat were, were better teams than the Celtics and wizards are right now? No, I don't. I don't, I don't think so um, either. I think you could argue I, maybe Miami, but Miami wasn't Miami. I wish the wizards had the ability to get another big man, you know, to maybe make their I'm trying to think. I don't well, love get Jason back. Smith. I mean, they have That's true. coming back. If he can play a little Is bit, he? that'll help. Yeah, he's on his way back soon. He's supposed to come back for the All-Star break. Uh, so I Bohemia think- is, is a very important part of the rest of the season. That's true. But uh, there's a point I want to make, though, about why I thought the game was so intense. And I think there's a national TV component to it. And, like, you know, even when the Sixers are at home on national TV, uh, televised games, it, it feels raucous. But I will say this, man. The Wizards have a mentality of um, – there's two things involved with this. Number one, they are a fully formed team. They're relatively young, but there are not many other components missing from what they can actually put on their team roster-wise. Whereas the Celtics are still, I think, according to all the pieces they have left, uh, or, or I should say assets, I'd say they're a little farther away. Um, and then maybe Toronto is a fully formed team who's been there, but they all, they know where their place is uh, in comparison to the, to the Cavs because they were put there. But the, the Wizards... I think see themselves as some you know a team who they should be there competing. They see themselves as them, but don't have that credit, right? So it's that chip on the shoulder mentality, and I like that, um, which is which is part of it. Um, but then you also have the players themselves, and like when Wall plays against Kyrie uh, and Beal's in that in, in, in an atmosphere in a game against um, you know again also against Kyrie, same type of thing. But there's a like <laughs> that that guy is the money maker. He's got his shoe, he's got his sprite, yeah. and I want his sprite and his shoe, and I want his Team USA, and like that's that matters. And so you got to see that play out over and over and over last night, and it was yeah. great. I don't think there's a ton of. There's, I think there's definitely some jealousy with Wall and Kyrie when you look at what Kyrie has gotten yes. off the court in endorsements and what Wall feels like he has not gotten, even though he's performed at such a high level. I don't know if Wall had that great of a game last night. Uh, no, he didn't. I mean, Beal had a, obviously an incredible game. But here's the 
from a stat, from a sort of tactical standpoint, what makes the Wizards really tough is that you need two good defenders to cover those guys. Like there yeah. are very few teams that have that. I think Boston sort of has that, but then the problem with Boston is they have the one big minus defender too, and that's Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And so even if you try to hide him on Otto Porter or something, uh, you can run screening action to try to force Isaiah to switch onto Wall and Beal. You know, there's a weakness that you can attack. Uh, not too many other teams in the East, and certainly not the Cavs. I mean, this is where the Cavs are going to run into some problems if they face the Wizards, have guys who can cover both of those players. You know, and so what the Wizards will do is they'll try to get Kyrie on whichever one they want to get going, and that'll be that. Um, the problem I think the Wizards have is that defensively they're going to have trouble. I think matching up with Cleveland. That's that much I think is very clear. Yeah, yeah by the 140 points they scored yeah. yesterday. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. <laughs> and Cleveland finally figured out that they should play Kyle Korver with their starters. I mean, when he's yeah. in with their starters, that they couldn't. They had. Yeah, we no didn't chance. mention him. We didn't mention him. But like the interplay, the passing and movement between. Corver and like Channing Fry look like they've been playing together for years, uh, even though it's been probably a, 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 many, a number of possessions total uh, mm-hmm. that they've actually been on the court together. But yeah, what Corver had a huge impact on the game in the fourth quarter with multiple threes. And then we should say also, LeBron hit what four threes in the fourth yeah. quarter. I oh, mean, yeah. so there was the other three he hit. Yeah. But anyhow, wild game. If you haven't watched it, just go watch it. And uh, if you did, you know. We all enjoyed it, right? So there's that. Let's get to another question. Um, we have uh, – let's switch it up a bit. Yeah, wait, you want to talk about – you want to take this Cavs question real quick since we're Which talking about the Cavs? Yeah, um, sure, sure, sure. Our go friend ahead, Lindy yeah. from Baltimore asked, like, is there any – I don't know, let me see if I can get the exact wording. It was basically like, is there anything – is there any reason why the Cavs look vulnerable? Like, are we worried? Oh, yeah, about wh- I got it. Yeah, why does Cleveland look uh, so much more mortal than last year? Uh, that's question one. And question two was how good are the Jazz? Well, let's worry about. We'll talk about the Jazz afterwards, but okay. So here's my thing: Is Cleveland really that much more vulnerable than they were last year? Like, are we forgetting like what they were doing in January with David Blatt? Yeah, it wasn't right. like they were kind of tearing the lids off the door. You know, they they had some vulnerable stretches. I think what makes this maybe a little bit different than last year is that one is LeBron is playing so many minutes. I mean, I think you can see. Certainly you can hear based on what he's doing publicly and with all these reports of his frustration, but he, I think, is exerting so much more energy this year than he was last year at this time. I mean, you agree with that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's clear. I mean, he, but, he scored like 70, he was responsible for like 70 of their 100 and whatever points in regulation last yeah. night. I mean, look, I, I think the answer is they aren't playing great basketball right now, but that that has no outcome on where I see the future of this season going. Like they are going to play in the NBA finals as slight underdogs to the Warriors. I would say more than slight, but yes, I agree. Uh, I think the Vegas will be a little bit more tentative to bet against LeBron, but yeah, I, I I'd say, and obviously they could still do make some, they could still trade for Carmelo Anthony, in which case it'd be, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be slight. You're right. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what, um, where that plays out. But I, look, I think that, that uh, when you see a game like last night, when they're clicking on all cylinders and they took the Wizards' best punch, the Wizards played great mm-hmm. last night. Otto Porter was awesome last night. Yeah, also he's had an awesome um, year. You know, Ubre was really tough last night and I liked a lot of things I saw from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they, look, they're, the Wizards are an athletic, long, young, hungry team and they played the Cavs great last night. Probably the best that any team has played the Cavs, you know, other than the Warriors uh, in terms of what they had to bring out of the Cavs. So, um, it was interesting, and I think that ultimately they're going to be 
they're going to be just fine. But they, they definitely at this moment look a lot more mortal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Will they play Kyle Korver now with uh, Shumpert maybe hurt um, and certainly JR now for a while? Yeah, Shumpert got his ankle broken. Yeah. Well, we should. Unfortunately, he stepped on someone's foot, but it would have been yeah. great. Or not great, but it would have been kind of um, amusing if someone, yeah. his ankle literally was shattered by a crossover um if it was a clean step back that would have been an absurd move yeah <laughs> um, anyway, it was still though. a good bucket um, yeah it was yeah but now corver is going to start the two which i think is what they should do right off the bat because corver has not played that well when kind of surrounded with other bench players but he was dynamite in that game they oh yeah you couldn't leave him i mean wasn't did you do you see the play that like Tristan Thompson should have had a dunk but he missed uh late mm-hmm. regulation this is like huge play of the game and the dude gets like a wide open duck it's because they wouldn't leave Corver in the corner so if they if they keep this up they may start to click offensively and then it doesn't really matter how they defend until they get to the Warriors they're gonna have too much firepower from anyone that's right he's a Corver is a space creator and they have got guys who like to play in space, like Kyrie Irving so, and Kevin Love. Um, so, so that makes sense. Um, let's get to uh, – we'll get to the jazz part later. Um, let's see. I'm going to screw up this name. Um, Powell Kayak. Kayak, something like that. Uh, asks I'll, – I'll, I'll, I'll go – I'll try to say this correctly. He said, why do people uh, not see how good Drew Holiday is, in essence? Uh, and why are the Pelicans terrified of paying him the max deal? Well, you're a Drew Holiday fan. Like, maybe you can. I am. I am a Drew Holiday fan. Here's my question. Like, what? Yeah. Are they really that scared of doing it? I, there, I know there's been some rumblings about, like, maybe they trade him. I don't think they're going to. I think it's one of those things where it's just he's a pending free agent and we're going nowhere. So we're going to look at a lot of things. But I agree. I think that the the numbers speak for themselves. And I also think Anthony Davis can speak for himself. So if he wants <laughs> to keep Drew there, he'll probably keep Drew there. Right. I mean, <laughs> the, the key to their franchise as a viable NBA franchise is Anthony Davis. And if he wants Drew Holiday as his long-term point guard, they will have him as their long-term point guard. I think that's probably clear at this point. But I also think that Drew is a great player. I don't worry as much about his injuries as I used to um, when they were when he was getting a lot of stress-related, you know, stress fractures in his legs. And I know how you know that can be a slippery slope and a long-term thing. Um, but I don't worry as much anymore. Also, he's, he was young too. I mean, he was 21 and 24 when he had his stress fractures. So he's 26 years old, 27 years old now getting stronger and I also think that and I've always said this he plays up to his competition and if Pelicans are going to play up and be a playoff team next year you know or even I don't know maybe this year I guess it's very conceivable still um, he's going to have to continue to play up and so I do think that Drew is a guy who kind of eats up other good offensive point guards uh, and I also still not think John that John Wall the that, other night <laughs> no not John Wall the other night that's for sure no, but not uh John Wall the other night not many people can hold John Wall though let's be honest oh man I hate to go right back to it there was one move last night the one where Wall split the incoming double team with the left left to right uh, crossover that he yes. split it and then dunked with his left hand or went up with the left hand. Uh, yeah, pretty nice. Move, so that huh? was, yeah, because he didn't even have to split it. He he jumped Kyrie out of his shoes. Kyrie jumped like two feet to the left. <laughs> he just went right through. Like he yeah, walked through. It was pretty nice. Uh, anyhow, that was a great move. Yeah, but, but I do think Drew is, is there. Yeah. So with Drew, I think the concern that you would think, I think the New Orleans thought process here is. Where obviously, if we make the playoffs, we're only an eight seed. Um, he is a free agent. He is going to probably be a max level player. Um, is he good enough for that? I don't know. You know. I like him. Is he? Was he like the eleventh or twelfth best point guard in the league? Maybe. You know, yeah. he's up yeah. above, slightly above average. Uh, 
you know, making the max on a team that has other bad contracts. I think this is the other thing that happens to some of these teams is that once you get to the point where you made a couple bad decisions and it sort of makes you start to think about good players, like it would, you wouldn't feel as bad about swallowing and paying Drew Holiday max money if you hadn't paid Omar Oshik what he's making and Ajinsa what he's making and paid 40 50 million for Solomon Hill, you know, so suddenly it's like, you can't do anything about those contracts. And now we're up on the guy who's coming up like now. Oh shoot. We're, we're going to pay a lot of money for a team. That's not very good. Like, is that really Drew Holiday's fault? Or is that your fault for some costs? You know, that I think happens a little bit. And and there's no real great remedy other than like, you know, do we want, can we use Drew Holiday to get out of some of these problems? And that, that puts you in a tough spot. Yeah. Well, I would take I would take Drew. I think Drew could be a point guard on a playoff team. Can I throw that? Yeah, at you? yeah. But I mean, he's gonna again max money. Um, you do have the injury history to worry about, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. but I think it, with point guard being such an important position, you know, it's not going to be easy to find someone to get that production. You look at the value of point guards that have been traded. You know, it kind of looks like what they traded for Holiday, which seemed like a little bit of an overpay, is not an overpay if you look at what some other players have paid. So I I think they're just going to keep him. I think they're just looking around. That that's a team that has playoff aspirations. You see a lot of these teams. They've disappointed. They aren't exactly well run. They've got problems elsewhere in the on the roster. They don't know whether they can rebuild or kind of try to make something out of it, which is why you keep hearing like very yeah. different sorts of rumors and they're just exploring, but this is sort of he's a consequence of some other problems around them, I think. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Um, all right, let's get to another question here. We need to get to a few more of these, Mike. We're, we're right. doing well, though. And as you can tell, these are good topics. Okay, let's see. Uh, Jed Deering. Uh, we talked about the Wiz, the first part of his question. Second part is, uh, simply put, uh, why are the Pacers winning? And the third part is, um, talk about the effects of the later All-Star game and, and trade deadline. And then we'll get into a lot more of that trade deadline stuff. Yeah, so with the second question, is it that much later than usual? Like I, I think it maybe is a week later. It's, I don't, it's like one week, I think. I don't think it makes a big difference, to be honest. Okay. I, I don't think it really has much to do with anything. Indiana has won how many in a row? I think seven in a row now. They beat. They came back and beat Oklahoma City last night. Yes, yeah, seven in a row. They're now only a game out of fourth. A game and a, two games out of third. So they're <laughs> not that far off. Four games out of second. They're not that far off. I think they – I honestly think the answer to this question is pretty simple, and I think is they finally – they took advantage of Monte Ellis's little injury to bench him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as soon as that happened, you know, before that, it didn't look like Teague and Paul George were getting along. Did you see Paul George's interview with the USA Today where he was saying like he was in like a dark place at the beginning of the season? No, I didn't. He was really not – he was having problems with injuries. He was – really upset with the lack of chemistry you had with Jeff Teague. There was all these problems, blah, blah. He was not in a good place. And now he's sort of cleared his mind and done a lot better. I think the real thing is you can't, they learn really quickly. You can't play Teague, Ellis and George together. It just doesn't work. And suddenly once they move Ellis to the bench, Ellis has had a brutal season. He's like, I look at his numbers. They've been really bad. No, he's he's a, he's a negative basketball player for sure. Oh yeah. The, there's also part of this winning streak though, which is that they beat uh, Minnesota, Sacramento, Orlando, Brooklyn, and Detroit as part of it. Okay, the I best mean, win was Houston. And no, I know. I'm just saying, like, there's always parts of schedules. Like Miami is on a, a crazy streak, or was, I guess, or they still are, right? Yeah, the eleventh in a row last night. 
Yeah, right. And Miami's going for 11 in a row. They were objectively a bad basketball team three weeks ago. Like, um, so things have changed quickly. I think part schedule, you know, the, the ins and outs, like the wizards have a very difficult end of the season. Like you, you just don't know how these things shake out schedule, but, uh, I haven't watched a whole lot of Pacers basketball, Mike. So I'm gonna take your word for it and say that if it sounds right, uh, if Monte being not on the court is helping because we know the advanced analytics of basketball have told us that he has not helped teams very much. Yeah. In so, his career. yeah. So but I dug up these stats for per NBA. Wowie, which is a really good stat right. that kind of allows you to manipulate who's on the court and who's not. When they play all three of those ball handlers, they're a negative three per hundred possessions about team. So that's what they did to start the year. That's how they. They were struggling. That that's the big thing. Um, when Ellis is out and it's just Teague and George, they're about plus eight per hundred possessions. And when it's wow. Teague's out and Ellis is in with George, it looks like it's about a plus fourteen. So really, I think the big thing is that George, you can't play the three together. And Teague has looked a lot better since a tough start, and it's looked especially a lot better with just George and kind of a few floor spacers. You got CJ Miles in there. He's played well. Uh, Miles Turner is obviously having a very good year. Uh, once you take away the need for all those guys to handle the ball, and all bad defenders the first two, by the way, too. Like So now you don't have like the awful defending backcourt you did before, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the thing. Like George, I think, last year had to do so much, and I think he was looking for a single some playmaking help, but it was just too much playmaking help when you – through in Teague and Ellis, but when it's just Teague, it's now it makes a little more sense. So yeah. I really think that's the number one, but far and away reason that they've gotten better is they just they just aren't starting yeah. Monte Ellis anymore. Do you uh, do you like them if you were to play them in the first round, a four or five matchup? Do you like the Wizards? I would probably take the Wizards because again, like the the same problem you have is who? How do you guard both Wall and Beal if you're the mm. Pacers? Yeah, and their bench needs an upgrade too. Like Al Jefferson is really not looking good. <laughs> Playing Jefferson and oh, Seraph, yeah. Kevin Serafin together, which is just doesn't work uh-huh. at all. They need another wing. Glenn Robinson had some moments, but I think they need some help there. You know, maybe they'll make a trade the deadline and get become more interesting. But uh, and one thing I will say is, if those two teams match up, like I don't know who guards Paul George on the Wizards, so it would be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a great matchup. I think just from a um, <laughs> a make or break uh, Paul George John Wall superstar matchup as they both debate their prominence in the that's league right. is great that's right only one is allowed to be a good player for the rest of his career <laughs> that's how narratives go man um, you're right fantastic uh, let's see um, Ray Lebov Lebov I don't know Lebov uh, Ray asks these are good questions first off statement Washington Cleveland was game of the year agreed uh, so far uh, it's tough see. though Sacramento Golden State on Saturday was a really good game as well that was right there you there go too i mean there are hey. so many and then, you know the four overtime game nicks nicks hawks that was a good game but it wasn't like great it was the quality of every possession in the last six minutes of this game last night was absurd it, it, it was just a fever pitch of made shots i mean yeah the christmas game i still think is number one. Oh yeah that was a great game the christmas okay, game but that's up there anyway should we caveat a non-cavs Warriors game because it's sort of like that's its own sport of basketball and then there's okay. uh, you know the rest of it okay right. um okay cool so we'll go with that but Ray asks uh, um talk about my kind of topic near and dear to you talk about how because you love trade rumors talk about how <laughs> absurd trade rumors start uh and then anyway Kings can build a winning team around Mr. DeMarcus Cousins the answer to the second one is is no 
<laughs> I don't think so. We'll talk know. about Boogie. I still want to talk about Boogie, though. But answer okay. the first part. Let's talk about the absurd trade rumors well, first. I assume he's referencing like the whole thing where Frank Isola, the New York Daily News, reported that the LeBron <laughs> really wants the Cavs to get mellow, and he'd be even willing to give up Kevin Love. And LeBron responded to that by calling the article trash and the writer trash. And every <laughs> other Cavs person issued a denial. Uh, Kevin Love posted something on Instagram. Uh, Ty Lu said something. It's worth noting, someone dug this up on Reddit. I saw it was for the last three years. There's been, if not like, not like a, this is a, going to happen, but like whispers. I saw it was reported that the Knicks and Cavs have talked about Kevin Love trades three years running. Of course they have. So this is not. But here's here's. I don't know how this trade rumor went down. I don't know exactly how. They happen, but I I think what happens is that there's a game of telephone that gets played on two different levels. You sort of have the there's so many discussions about so many players uh, that are so formal, informal between so many different types of people that like it gets told from one person to another, and then from another person to another person. Blah blah blah. You know, I, I always like to imagine like what would happen if like someone was trying to get news about like the inner workings of Vox Media and like our jobs, right? Right, right, right. At certain points, like we just kind of vent about our coworkers, you know, or we say Yo, good things about sure. our coworkers. Shit would leak in a heartbeat, right? So, but I always, I always think about like when we do this, we're not if we're like kind of expressing any sort of frustration about like some anything we do at the office. It doesn't mean that like we hate the person that's making us doing it or whatever. It's just it's like an annoyance. But I think if we were to kind of pass that opinion along to somebody else, and then it got to somebody else, and then it got to a reporter. Yeah, like there's there's something in the message that gets lost, for sure. But I also think that there's always been these rumors of there's a friendship here. Like they're all Frank Isola is doing, whether right or wrong, is connecting something that is already there publicly. Oh right, with potentially the professional part of their lives, which is something they have spoken about outwardly. Now, one right. of the things we talked about before the podcast is what makes us such an outlier is like LeBron is the full life cycle of this like <laughs> yeah. he's the other side of this he, right he's he starts the things he spreads the things and then he squashes the things and it's like i don't know that that feels that a little that feels a little crappy to me and for love for kevin love and not for Kamara anthony but for kevin love uh, specifically well, too because kevin love is an a important part of an nba championship team today on the 7th of february I don't want him to have to come play for this shitty Knicks team. They quit. They quit last night at Madison Square Garden oh, and lost yeah. to an awful Lakers team. Like, yeah. come on. Like, and has. We'll get into Phil Jackson later. If we keep doing this. We'll get into. It, we'll get into. It. I promise you. We're going to do Boogie next, and then Kevin Love. I'm sorry, and then uh, and then Phil Jackson. So then, but then let me talk real quick about the other side of the telephone. Is that once yeah. if you actually read what I solo reported, he basically what he said was, Car- LeBron would like Carmelo, and he if it's what it takes, would be willing to part with Kevin Love. However, the Cavs are not willing to part with Kevin Love. <laughs> the Cavs don't want to do it. So, obviously that's news, but then, like, to to make it sound like the Cavs are any way interested, or LeBron would, like, 100% part with Kevin Love, like, how do we know it wasn't just one of those things where he's saying, yeah, I mean, if 
I would think about it or I, I would consider it. You <laughs> It'd know? be great to play with Carmelo there, someday. Yeah, there there's shades of gray here. And then there's so then there's the kind of line of telephone of, well, how was that report conveyed to LeBron? You know, he probably how much how closely did he read it? And then how does it get aggregated? And then how does it get sort of sold? There's like a whole life of its own that takes on there. And you know, by the time we're at the end of this cycle, like what is exactly the rumor? I think that is what happens with all of these. And it's obviously a great cottage industry that we have. Um, and it's, it's all very interesting. It all comes from a place that I think is very legit. It's just, you know, with the way media works, it's just the message sort of gets diluted in so many different ways or, or more importantly, in LeBron's case, it gets sort of spun up in the way that is most beneficial to him. I think that's accurate, man. And that's part of the, the full life cycle and control which is a huge part of LeBron's ethos, the, the control factor here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I I don't like fake trade rumors. I hate them more when they involve like irrational trades or stupid trades that are just like flashy for the names and the markets and and all that. I, I don't I don't like I don't think it's productive for the Knicks uh, or or for the Cavs. Um, all, I, before we even get to Boogie, then. Uh, and his uh, one game suspension, which warranted or not, I'll ask you your opinion on well, that. Well, it was well, it was it was a sixteenth technical, so yes. it was automatic. Right, but well, because he got another one for for the pushing. But uh, anyhow, we'll we'll get the boogie in a second. I still want to stay on the Knicks because uh, the Phil Jackson Mello thing, the internal feud that's been occurring with the Knicks, um, escalated today, uh, like in an awkward way around a tweet because it's 2017 and that's how we get our news. Uh, that's how we hear from our elected officials. And that's how we hear from the general manager of the Knicks pertaining to his best player, even though he was at practice today, (laughs) he was in the same (laughs) building as Carmelo Anthony, but tweeted at him referring to a, uh, an article that was written. Mike, take me through the background here, and then I'll give you my opinion on it. So Kevin Ding, who writes for Bleacher Report, longtime Lakers reporter, who was there, I think, during the Jackson years when Jackson was there. Uh, I don't know the nature of their relationship, but I imagine they're pretty close. Uh, wrote a story basically saying that Phil cannot sort of impart the will to do his bidding on someone who does not want it. And it, basically the implication was that Mello is concerned with more things than actually winning. He doesn't have that single-minded desire that the true greats have. Yeah, There's nothing Phil can do about that. And so then it was, I think, an interesting – I think it presented Mello in a negative light, obviously. Um, Yeah. So so then Phil tweets, quote, Bleacher's ding almost rings the bell, but I learned you don't change the spot on a leopard with Michael Graham in my CBA days. Spelling days D A Z E was there a uh I don't know. But there's a dual meeting here. He he was probably dazed during the uh CBA, but uh, Yeah. Yep. Well I, just I mean noticed we, that. Know, that we know that he, <laughs> it's just weird in general and it's it's like cryptic and it's it's scrutinizing Carmelo and like you know, the whole the reference to a leopard changing spots thing, it's you know, there are a lot of metaphors you could use here but the the most important thing there is he's saying this is who he is and it's not good enough (laughs) to the guy who's his highest paid player and best player on his team still by a mile well i don't think he's the best player in the team but i i take your point the most recognized porzingis has not been that good lately i still think porzingis is the best player in the team but um you make the point of let you know spots on a leopard it's sort of ironic because this is you know 
you don't change Phil Jackson, the spots on Phil Jackson, you know, exactly. They're a leopard. Exactly. You don't change the spot on him as a leopard. And he's always used these passive aggressive barbs to kind of make his points. And his Twitter's like the career. perfect medium for right. his personality. So this is, this is totally within his character. The problem is that he's not a coach with this awesome power and Zen like ability. He's now a foreign office executive that is ducking the media otherwise. And <laughs> his best player has a no trade clause and he gave him the no trade clause. And now, <laughs> it's like he's trying to weasel. It's almost yeah. like he's doing the thing that you do at the end of a relationship where you try to get the other person to break up with you. Yes, yes. You just neg him the whole time. Uh, it's so true. And, it's and exactly. I, it's, it's, I mean, it's it's an awkward situation. He's a he was you know never really two feet in to the situation. He he put clauses in his contract or had negotiated in his contract the ability to not be there all the time. Like that was something that was mm-hmm. going to be top of mind when he takes over a new job that he really wanted to do is how much he doesn't have to be there. Right. So like there's that, um, which should have been a nice tell from the beginning. But um, I mean, there's also just like aside from the Porzingis pick and I tweeted this today, but you know, that's still trusting the process. That's still hinky made that decision for him. Okay. Porzingis fell into his lap. It's still hinky. Well, um, I mean, Porzingis wasn't like a slam dunk top pick. I know. I mean, you I'm, have to give him credit for facetious. that. But you're right. The rest of what he's done is not is not particularly power, You know, is particularly underwhelming. I think he had a pretty good summer two years ago that he undid with a really bad summer this past summer. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So I just it's very I think it's very unbecoming and uh, you know I, I'm almost tired of thinking about. It. So here's here's another yeah. quick question I have as a as a sort of follow up on this. Do you think that it is bad bad or character flaw that Carmelo Anthony maybe doesn't have the same will that these other guys have? Like do you think it's it's like we should be looking at him in a different light if he just kind of wants to is comfortable going to work in New York, you know, is comfortable with how he's built his brain to the degree that it is, is comfortable that he doesn't want to move his family. Um, are these things that we should be admonishing him for? I don't, I do not knock players for who they are. That's never going to be, that's not my MO. I'm not someone who dislikes LeBron because of his, you know, social media presence or his, you know, I'm 4.30 a.m., videos of himself working out and that he's bragging about how hard he works. I don't, I don't put that as something that's like, God, that, that doesn't turn me off. Right. I still love him as a basketball player. Must Carmelo. I've always been an admirer of his offensive ability and fully aware of his flaws. Like if you're watching this guy and you want to see something else, I could understand why you would be upset with the player. He is, I'm not a Knicks fan. That's a really important part of this, like straight up. And I think it's very important to acknowledge, like, I could see why I could put myself, I could be empathetic to the Knicks fan situation here of wanting your best player to be that killer superstar, you know, but it's just not the situation. He is a great offensive player. He's always been a great offensive player and he's never really been more than that. And he's certainly not a team leader. And I don't think being the killer personality uh, or the killer um, uh, last second shot alpha guy is the same thing as being the leader either. I think those can be different people like in Golden State, for example, with Draymond and Steph uh, and you know KD being an even different personality like this yeah, year. Or, but, or like Carmelo and Chauncey Billups. Yeah, or exactly, or Kyrie and and LeBron. Kyrie has that. Give me the ball, I'm gonna score that last bucket. And LeBron's like, I'll make that perfect pass. You know, um, so I I I don't, I don't knock him for that. I don't knock Chris Bosh for being intellectual and being into art. And that maybe why people challenged how tough he was when the Heat didn't win right away, and then they were fine, and he was great. Um, like I think people who love the sport of basketball, and this is a 
a solid opinion of mine I've always held for a long time. To watch the game through a lens of could I be friends with this person or are they a role model of mine is the wrong way to watch the game because you're going to blind yourself from the sport you're trying to watch. Go make friends in your real life. You know, Go have your people you watch the game with, you talk to as you watch the game or talk to the next day about the game. But you're not going to be talking to Chris Bosch about the game. If he's a great player and you like his game, appreciate the game. That's my thought on Carmelo, but I'm not a Knicks fan. Okay. Wow, that got really deep. Um, the one thing I'll say is that with the Chris Bosch example, like he did change his game to yeah, really help a team the- win. So I don't know if that's like great, the best counterexample to Melo. I just I just think the Knicks the Knicks knew what they were getting here. Getting yes, true, but, but I don't mean skill wise, man. I mean like people persecuted. Uh, he, he had Bosch had that like. I am a smart guy. I I fancy things outside of basketball mentality, and I think that goes right with the cutthroat. Like people want to know that their killer athlete is the, only focusing solely on diehard sports fans. That this is what he's doing. It's great. Hey, look, Tom Brady is one of those Super Bowl, and uh, Mike, from listening to him talk throughout the last fifteen years, I can tell you that he only cares about football. Okay. <laughs> yeah, is that something to really be like so uh, admired, admiring of? I agree. no, um, no especially in, I... in 2016. I do, I do understand the frustration that people have with Melo that you know it just hasn't clicked for him. If you're a coach or executive, but you know the Knicks resigned him. They knew what they were getting into. Yeah, that's right. No player's ever given himself a contract. You know, that's the thing. Um, all right, what what do we got next? What are some rapid fire ones you want us to? Hit? Yeah, I'm gonna rapid fire. We're gonna end here with a few questions to uh, to rapid fire uh, at you. Um. Uh, real quick, uh, so Boogie is suspended. Uh, you said, uh, can the Kings build a winning team around him? You said no. Uh, I mean, they're gonna make they're gonna make their they're making a lot of money while being a terrible team, and they're about to give him a lot of money to stay for a long time. They're 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 both content with their marriage of what they they've gotten themselves into. And also, quick quick hitter on that too. Uh, Matt Barnes being the instigator again. They are like, uh, sorry, I'm gonna sneeze real quick. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, like, Matt uh, Barnes really like, causes you to sneeze. He makes you I, I said his name. He instigated a sneeze. That's how quick <laughs> his name worked. Um, he, he he is like the uh, – it's Lenny and George, those two men from Mice mm-hmm. and Men. It's like he goes in there to pick a fight and, and then Cousins comes over the top and gets suspended because yep. now you've just lost your best player. Slight difference between getting you know assault at a, cl- at a nightclub and – Tapping an assistant coach during a game. Agreed. The same concept. I agree with that. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's just like the worst role model. The worst NBA role model. I don't know him off the court. Just made that point. Can't say it. But on the court uh, and apparently off the court, judging by the nightclub thing, which uh, nothing happened. Boogie is acquitted of all things there. So he's not being no charges pressed on in there. Uh, let's get to some uh, quick hitters for you. Um, Let's see. We did the Philip. Uh, Zito said it's Steve Nash's birthday today, so that's cool. Um, cool. Happy birthday. We talked to about Steve. the mellow Phil beef. Yeah. Big Steve Nash fans here. Uh, very, very exclusive club, Steve Nash, part of the back to back MVP club, which is like one of the most exclusive in NBA history. Now um, Steph Curry as well. Yeah, right. And unanimous to top it off there. Let's see. Uh, Bo Schwartz Madsen, longtime listener, friend of the pod, um, asks, and Mike, you can quick hit this. Uh, what is real Toronto? And then November Toronto or January Toronto? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, that is a really good question. Obviously, the Raptors came to a really fast start. I think it's fairly clear that like November DeMar DeRozan is not real DeMar DeRozan. You know, you can't. Nobody it couldn't possibly keep shooting that well. Like I think that's that we can agree with. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think that this is a little closer to what Toronto is right now because they they don't have. 
um, so many things that you think they need. They their power forward position still it's still like kind of Patrick Patterson needs to play forty eight minutes or else they're really missing out there. Uh, they I don't think they've really played replaced Bismack Biombo. I think Lucas Nogueras has had his moments, but defensively they're just not the same. Nogueras is not a very good defensive player. Corey Joseph has not been the same player since he, that he was last year. He even got t- taken out of the rotation in a couple of games recently, yeah. which uh, yeah. I thought was amazing. So I don't know if they're quite this bad, but I do think that's a team that's in need when you consider where they are and the salaries they have and Lowry being a free agent. They need to do something to shake things up. I don't think they're as good as they're going to be in November. I think probably it's a little closer to January, Toronto. All right. Well, not, not great times in uh, in Toronto. A rapid fan base that was super close, well, in their opinion, uh, last season. So it'd be, uh, be tough to see them regress, uh, like a Wizards regression that they had take some time to get back up, right? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I just, I, no, I, know, I know. If they make one good trade and they get they, they get a good power forward, they're right back in the second place in the East. I just, until they do, I just can't take them that seriously. That's right. It's also a matter of like, will they play the Cavs in the second round? or in the Eastern Conference Finals, potentially. And like, that's ultimately, I don't know, all roads lead to the same destination. Um, give me your thoughts on, Ben Becker asks, um, he'd love to learn more about the Nugs. Uh, let's see, the Chandler story surprised me. He said, they seem to be on a nice trajectory, good pieces. I, I know the Nugs are a darling. I watch them play pretty frequently on uh, League Pass because they they're a fun team to watch. Um, actually, good. the Minnesota Nuggets game the other night was like really a really fun game, too. Yeah, um, terrific. Those, those two teams always play very entertaining games. Yeah. yeah Towns versus Jokic. Yeah, I mean, Denver, yeah. Denver's in eighth place now. I think it's mostly a function of the rest of the West falling apart because I don't think they're that great a team. I think they're a really good offensive team uh, and one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Uh, I think Nick Jokic is, one of the, is really fun to watch and it's got a lot going for him, but he also is a really poor defender. Uh the Ch- the Wilson Chandler story is that he's not happy, according to a report from USA Today. Uh, and I think the reason, the thing that's going on there is that they just have so many players that they have to play. You know, if yep. if you, they still have Gallinari, and if you play uh, Chandler at the four, you're not playing Kenneth Fareed. Uh, and you got Nurkic to worry about, and he's not getting minutes. And then there's a whole like, is Emmanuel Mude really our guy, or is Jamal Murray taking his place? And you got yep. Will Barton in the mix, and you've got Jameer Nelson, and you've got uh, Gary Harris, and you know, there's Darrell Arthur, who's a good solid ve- veteran big. They got yeah. a couple other young guys. It's just too many players there. Um, but they have talent. I mean, they have good pieces. Gallo isn't what he once was. Uh, Chandler, when he plays, is pretty good. Uh, Jamal Murray is very promising but inconsistent. I mean, Jokic is a stud, and the rest of the team is like a bunch of pretty good players. They just, I can't really take him that seriously until they defend a little better, and I don't, I don't yeah. really see that happening. You know, I... Well, it's funny. This is the same, you know, conversation we were having in our Nuggets preseason podcast we did mm-hmm. uh, when Adam Mara's joined. That. They have so many players, and they're all good or pretty good, or at least need to have a chance of getting better. Uh, and so it's, you know, they, they were a, a clogged team in the front court and the back court. And that's like uh, almost, you know, it's a, it's a gluttony of riches in some, in some aspects, they had multiple large euros under 22 years old. And hopefully one of them would become really good. And already you got Jokic, right? So, and Nurkic isn't, isn't bad either. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I don't know. Jokic is a star. You're right. And when you watch him play, he's one of the reasons that I watch them so much on League Pass. It's because he's special uh, and he's really fun and he makes their offense flow in, in a really awesome, like Sabonis, Chris Webber-ish way. Uh, when Webber was really the point guard for Sacramento, you know, and Bibby would feed off of him. And that's that's what Jokic does. And his one-hand passing ability is, uh, is right up there with, with like LeBron, you know, in terms of just palming a ball and whipping it wherever he wants. But the problem that they have, and this is why I think it would be kind of interesting if they could find uh, a good long-term piece here. Maybe there's sort of a team that might, you know, trade the farm for Paul Millsap. I think that'd be interesting. But <laughs> when you Jokic yeah. is a poor defensive center, and then you either are playing him with Gallo at the four, and Gallo can't really move anymore, or Kenneth Fareed, who just moves at 700 miles an hour, and just the awareness is not there. So. You need to pair Jokic with a really good defensive power forward, and they instead have some of the worst defensive players in the league at that position. So They, they could put together a, a good trade package because of said many, many pieces. That's uh, for sure. It's just when. Like, we've been talking about that yeah. for years, and they just yeah, don't it's do true. it. Uh, so I'm not – I think they're a fun team to watch, but I'm not that um, excited about them until they kind of take all these pieces and go somewhere with them. There you go. All right. Well, there was a a new shoe. We'll end with this because I know you're interested in it, which oh, was yeah. uh, uh, Matthew Dolvadova, uh, limited upside favorite here, um, has a shoe. Mike, you sent me a picture of his his new shoe. Um, peak Australia, and I believe. Yes, that's right. It, it's Peak is the company. Yeah, they have a few right. people. Peak. They do. They do. Don't, and and anyhow, get Tony Parker. They, they might. I, I I couldn't tell you. I think they do. Well, let me ask you this though: What was the color of that of that shoe? The Delavidova. Well, the thing yeah. was, <laughs> it was black, but uh, they didn't call it black. What'd they call it? Uh, I believe it was the Hustle colorway. That's <laughs> the Hustle color. <laughs> the Hustle colorway. <laughs> oh God! I mean, where sure. where is the uh, um, diving on players' legs colorway? <laughs> All of his shoes are just. They're just in different attributes that he's displayed. They're like, and that's the uh, mid-range floater color. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, come on, hustle as a as a color scheme per se. Uh, maybe that works that's well. That's riding in, his hip colorway. Right, yeah, right, right. Exactly. That's that takes his mouthpiece out color scheme. <laughs> but it's a uh, you know maybe maybe in Australia they're down there and they're like I like it hustle. I, have nice. you seen Delhi's uh, peak commercial? No, no, I haven't. It is. I didn't. I, didn't I think I sent it. it to you, and it must have. You must have not had time to watch it before the show. But it is basically him talking about the inspirational journey he's had, and it's him like basically shooting empty jumpers in a gym while talking over uh, very boring music. And that's <laughs> it. There's nothing cool or exciting about it. It's like, hey, guy, this shoe. If you're an untalented player who's a gym rat like me, yeah. Which I guess maybe isn't the worst marketing strategy in the no, world. No, no, it's, it's actually pretty good. Well, where's your where's your peak deli uh, hustle colorway shoe? Then I mean, does that? Oh, here's a question: If you had a signature shoe that would describe your basketball game, um, what would the colorway be called? Well, I have uh, a custom pair of shoes. No, I hope. Wait. I hope really? Dan Rubenstein listens to this. Uh, wait, you have a custom pair of shoes? How how'd this happen? I do. So uh, I made I made a custom pair of Nikes with, with clients years ago, like three four years ago now. I've probably worn the shoes three times uh, because <laughs> the weather has to be perfect. Uh, number one, not Wait, getting why? dirty or wet. Not getting them dirty or wet. Oh, You'll see someday. They're, they're so valuable. This uh, this special limited edition uh, Ben. These are the <laughs> yeah, these are. Uh, 
<laughs> these are dunks. Uh, they are Nike dunks. They are uh, um, they are the Air Father Times. That's a nickname of mine. <laughs> and uh, they have that special insignia on them. And they are gold with uh, they're gold, white, and black with gold um, uh, elephant checkered flakes. They're oh absurd. I mean, they are. I could wear them to any number of occasions. Um, involving techno music, basically. Did you call them like the uh, the uh, Nike Father Time twenty uh, fives for your the the your vertical or like fifteen? <laughs> yeah, like one point five. And, and I I drag my my left leg can't physically leave the ground anymore. I'm so oh, so no. much, oh god oh god. But so, uh, but anyway, so I have custom shoes. You'll see them someday. So Father Time and and you said the color. Is there any significance to like are those sort of old colors? Like so, like I want to say, don't don't delve doves like kind of have like not dirt kind of splashing on them, but like some sort of rough material that makes it look yeah. like you dove on the floor. Yeah, they have like a gunmetally industrial look and feel to them. I mean, they look like they they came like pre worn almost, like some torn up <laughs> jeans. Like basically, he is the human equivalent of some torn up jeans. So these <laughs> shoes represent that from a stylistic fashion. The factory worker peaks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like the the amount of stubble he carries at all times on his face is the other equivalency mm, to those the lunch jeans. pail threes. Those, that's right. That's the name. That's the lunch the name. pail that's threes. What they should have been called. That could be a color too. Uh, like what is it? Like a a yellow construction hat color type of thing. Yeah, perfect. That's the lunch perfect. Pail, the peak lunch pail threes. It's, it's a that's really good to say in an Australian accent too, because it could be the uh, the peak lunch pails. Peak lunch pails. I need to work on an Australian accent, but. Uh, Peak, we're we're interested. Let us know if you have any thoughts on the uh, on this idea, and uh, we just expect uh, some royalties, you know, because I'm sure you haven't thought of this. So, um, I would buy the lunch pail threes. Same. Yeah, you know, while everybody else is sporting great Nike shoes, I'd I'd, I'd buy the lunch pail threes. Yeah, we're kind of a lunch pail podcast. Uh, and on That's that right. note, uh, uh, before you even uh, turn this off, go subscribe again and rate and review it again, and uh, all those good things. But. Uh, that's it. That's all we got. Great questions. Thank any you, other uh, wait? Any other questions you want to hit? Uh, that, that's really it, man. We had we had one about the top. Uh, who be your? Oh, I want to th- I want to talk about this one. The, who who are your top? Who who asked this question? This was a good question. Courtney uh, Kennedy. As of today, who are your your six All NBA guards, Mike? Okay, this is. I think this is going to be really interesting because um, there's so many. I think first team. I think you got to have Russ and Harden. And your second team, you have. Steph, um, who is your fourth guy? Because uh, it would have been Chris Paul, but I don't know if he's going to play enough games down the stretch. Yeah. Okay. This moment right now, it's prob it's probably Wall. Wall. It could be Wall or it's Wall or or, or Kyrie are the two I'm throwing around. I don't think Kyrie just... would be. I think the question is Wall or uh, are you talking Isaiah Thomas? I would have Isaiah Thomas right behind them too. I'm mean, like the defensive part of the game we've talked about many times. And the all NBA selection specifically should be that being taken into account very seriously. Okay. All right. So so you'd have Wall on your second team and then yep. Isaiah as is your who so who's the sixth person behind Isaiah? Lowry. Okay. Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I think I gotta shoehorn Chris Paul in there somewhere. Uh, and I would probably bump Lowry. Uh and I would probably even have Wall and Thomas be the third team guys. But now it's that is really interesting, and I'm not sure. You know, there's probably plenty of players we're forgetting. Uh, yeah, on like this list. I mean, guys who aren't going to get any love on this list will be like, there's no Lillard to be named. Obviously, he's not having DeRozan. a top. A top. DeRozan's not on there. Clay. Um, I don't know. 
There's plenty there of good guards. Gordon Hayward a guard. Mike Connolly. Um, there's plenty of good guards who Kyrie aren't going to get. Irving, obviously. Yeah, Kyrie. But there's just so many good guards, which brings us back to that Drew statement we made earlier. Is he a top 12 guard? Yeah, he might be like 12. So there's a lot of great guards, um, point guards too. But That was a little easier than I thought. I thought I'd have tougher yeah. decisions. I mean, we're really talking about are you bumping Lowry um, or for Paul or not. I'll tell you who's not on it. Monte Ellis. Sorry, Monte. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> but anyhow, Sorry, that's, that's basically Once, once upon a time. Yeah, many, many, many moons ago, you were fighting into the top 10. Um, that's really all we got. But we did get lots and lots of great questions here. Continue to send them to us, guys. We'll do more of these. Uh, you know, look, there's no shortage of NBA things to talk about. We just figured this is a good time to hear what the uh, the general public and, and in general, the NBA super fans, who Mike talked about having the highest SAT scores, uh, which I do believe is true, Mike, uh, will be into right now and what they're thinking and their thoughts are good. So thanks again for the questions. All right. Well, Thanks for having. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll probably, you know, big event coming up on Saturday. We got uh, Oklahoma City Golden State. Kevin Durant's return. We'll plenty of coverage from there, and I'm sure we'll talk about that game in our next show or maybe down the road. And then the All Star Game's coming up. Uh, are you? Do you like All Star Saturday Night? Yeah, I love it. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's great. Love All Star Saturday. Fast night. forward to the three point shootout. Everything else I can do with. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, obviously, All Star Saturday Night is just the shootout and the dunk competition. The other stuff is just like uh, it's like when the seven year olds play at halftime. <laughs> it's like the opening acts uh, when yeah. you, that everybody doesn't show up for the All Star right. Saturday evening. That's right. Yeah, the evening stuff I could take it early. I don't need to see uh, an, a retired NBA player and a retired WNBA player shoot half court shots. I thought they got rid of that. Maybe, Maybe they, they did. did. I have to look. Well, now there's a skills out. competition, which is dumb also, where like a bunch of guys who can go really, really fast go mediocrely paced. I mean, I, they did add some interesting uh, wrinkle to it when they made it big guys versus little guys, and they're doing that again. That was actually kind of inter- kind of fun. I really but... don't want Joel to do it. I really just want Embiid to stay home. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's stay home it. in your glass box with bubble wrap, buddy. No moving. No eating. You just have to stay in the box. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, all right. Until, uh, to, I guess, just stay healthy, Joel. Uh, and until next time, uh, this is Limited Upside Podcast. 